Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Okay, welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Uh, today, I'm joined by Glenn Poulos, who's founder and vice president in the broadband wireless world. Uh, and uh, Glenn's uh, lost and learned and then won in business and in sales. Uh, and he's taken his 30 years of experience and written Never Sit in the Lobby, uh, which is a book that seeks to equip new and seasoned salespeople alike with the ability to avoid uh, the costly mistakes that they could make before they could actually happen. So, Glenn, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. Great, great, great. So, uh, what, what are you working on at the minute? Um, well, um, yeah. So, I, uh, in addition to writing the book, I also sold my company. I, I stayed working there. I still work there. I have a job there. I actually have the same title that I had prior to selling the business. Um, I'm just part of a much bigger entity now, a private equity firm in the U.S. Um, bought a large U.S. company, which bought my company. And um, so I'm running their Canadian operation. And um, they bought some other companies, and I'm helping them to integrate them into our into our business. So it's, uh, as they like to say, never a dull moment. And uh, also trying to fit in uh, you know, with a day job, fit in, um, promoting the book and, uh, you know, trying to find a space there for that. And, uh, you know, um, podcasts and things like that, which is, which is a lot more fun and enjoyable than, than the, than the nine to five. Right. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, um, been on a similar journey in fact. And, uh, and, and what I love about the podcast is that, um, is that it enables me to kind of follow, uh, passions that are kind of linked to and and working with the kind of stuff that I'm doing in my day job, but uh, able to yeah. sort of express things in a very different way. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've gotten to share a lot of uh, a lot of my lessons and stories that I was recanting to people over the years, right? And all these people would say, "Oh, you should write a book." And um, I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever." And then when they locked us down for the for the pandemic. I thought, what better time with not literally nothing to do, nowhere to go, uh, to put pen to paper, and that's actually when I did it. And um, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying being able to uh, quote quote the chapters instead of just quoting an anecdote in my mind. Right? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So yeah, so never sit in the lobby, something that resonates with me, actually. And uh, uh, I totally agree with 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 the approach that you take when you uh, when you visit a client or turn up for an interview or anything like that. So just talk us through that whole concept of never sitting in the right. lobby. Yeah. So the, um, I, I didn't, the editor helped me come up with that title. My title was far more boring and uh, <laughs> <laughs> unappealing, I guess. And, uh, but I do, I do like it now. And it is one of the core tenants of my sort of, uh, you know, pattern that I go through uh, when I was visiting customers. Mostly now I'm just running the sales company. I'm the general manager, but I, you know, consider myself a salesman at, uh, as my trade. And, uh, you know, our business is really a sales company, right? So I'm constantly telling people, you know, to be in front of the customers 
And then, you know, when they start coming up with, when my salesmen start coming up with objections on why they can't be in front of customers, then I start uh, reciting chapters of the book. But the never sit in the lobby uh, portion is um, what I had found when I was in a lot of lobbies, you know, um, all day long, you know, five days a week was that um, a lot of people would come in. If I was sitting down, people would come in and they would have this like height differential with me. And I would be looking up at them, you know, as this timid little, uh, you know, sales guy waiting to be accepted. And I found that standing at eye height and being prepared and ready and not distracted. And other times I found myself, you know, doing things right, playing on my phone or what have you. And they would come in and they would be standing there. I might not even recognize, I might not even notice that they walked up. Um, and you know, it just isn't a good look. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that was, you know, that's one of the, one of the first, uh, principles that I go over in the book is, uh, you know, if you're going to go to the lobby, you know, and, uh, some other younger people said, well, you know, should I sit in my car? And I'm like, well, no, you should just, you just, uh, you know, should I wait in the car or whatever? Cause they think like, don't be in the lobby. Right. And I'm like, no, just don't be sitting down in the lobby when you're in there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Show up at an appropriate time, a few minutes before your appointment, announce yourself and then stand there and wait. Right. Don't be, don't be playing around, keep your phone in your pocket, that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Oh, I totally agree. Cause, uh, also I find this, especially, I mean, some of these lobbies now are kind of, uh, they're virtual, aren't they? And there's an intercom yeah. there, but you know, in, in, in those places where there's somebody sat behind a reception desk, um, or there's somebody to welcome you, you actually get a really good feel for a place, especially if you're going in there for the first yeah. time, you get a really good feel for the place. You can ask questions, take an interest. And, um, I mean, you talk a lot in your book, don't you, about that, about human connection and absolutely and, and being memorable and remembering people, you know, that's, that's really, really valuable. Yeah. The, um, one of the other rules that I cover early on and, and you can flip to any page in the book and read a rule. You don't have to like start at the beginning. You don't have to read the whole book all at once. It doesn't, you know, it's just, these are just uh, sort of anecdotes and, uh, and rules to, that you can follow that really help your day. Right. And, uh, one of them is show up with something in your hand and something in your mind. Right. And, um, because a lot of times people are saying to me, Oh, what should I talk to them about? And then I always just say that just show up with something in your hand and something in your mind. It might be, literature. It might be a quotation they asked for, but in Canada, we're famous for Tim Hortons donuts, right? And so we show, we like to show up in the morning with donuts, but, but even the donuts have a rule, right? Like never past 1030, right? Because then you start cutting into someone's lunch appetite and then you're just adding unnecessary calories to their diet. And, uh, yeah. So um, when, when there were receptionists there and you showed up with a box of a dozen donuts, I mean, you became very popular very quickly. Right. And um, then you could ask them, hey, you know, while I'm here, could I also talk to Bob? I, you know, he, he was they know I, I, he wasn't expecting me, but you tend to build rapport. Right. And it's all about building rapport with people. And uh, yeah, um, they and you had mentioned about not forgetting. One of the rules is never forget a face. So when I show up before I stand in the lobby in my car, I, uh, I nowadays with my phone, I, I go on LinkedIn and I look at my customer and I, if I can't remember the exact face of the person, um, I will associate the name with the face because oftentimes when you, when you meet, re meet someone for the second or third time or what have you, you know, you know their name, but you can't remember it right away. And, 
you know, the mind works very quickly, right? And the person realizes you don't remember their name. <laughs> Once that's happened, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, you know, the, the golden moments already lost. Right. But when you're walking down the hallway and you're saying, Hey, Jack, Hey, Sally, you know, um, and remembering people like that in that, in that manner, it, it really re- helps to build a lot of rapport the next time and the next time that you see them. And what happens is they remember you as well. Right. And, um, yeah, so those those are sort of three or four of the first of the fifty seven uh, tips that I that I try to offer in the book. So and fifty seven is a great number as well. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, so I mean, and I I totally um, uh, agree with 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 that whole thing about building the rapport and finding that connection. And and actually, it seems that as we're we keep talking about new normal, don't we? And all that post pandemic yeah. or, you know, if we are post pandemic, I'm, su- I'm assuming we are now. Uh, and uh, actually we kind of retreated into this kind of digital only world for a while. And what I'm finding now uh, sort of, you know, as, as, as we're getting back out with people again, is that that desire for humanity and connection with, with each other is, is actually even stronger. And people's boundaries may have shifted and moved and people may have came out of the pandemic at a different time, even though yeah. everyone kind of went in together, you know, they're, they're emerging at different times. But that, that need for humanity and connection is, um, is, is, is increasingly important. And it's actually a tool that if you're, if you are looking to sell that you can really use to your advantage. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It's funny you talk about that because, um, you know, up until March of 2020 in Canada, you know, we were doing it the old way, right? Where we're a face-to-face sales company. We sell high technology, wireless equipment. We help build the cellular network in Canada and the U S and we sell different kinds of the technology that go up on the tower and, and it's not done over online. It's not a like a software service. It's not something that you you know that you can do that way. So we always had to visit the customers. We were doing trials and stuff. And then of course March 2020, bam, we were closed. Like we had to stay open to serve our customers because of the need for constant communications. But the salespeople and everything and the staff had to go home for the most part. And they became very comfortable very quickly, right, in their um, home office. And, uh, you know, I think they thought that, you know, they, you know, lack of a better description, died and went to heaven, right? In terms of, hey, I don't even need to go to work anymore. I, I, you know, um, I I don't have to get in my car, drive through my territory, uh, you know, and I can do all these Zoom calls. But it was only a matter of weeks before, you know, most of our customers were Zoom fatigued. And it's like, I I can't do any more lunch and learns. I can't do any more webinars, right? And they did try to... um, you know, do their sales calls on Zoom and uh, and maintain contact via phone, but but the customers were also disconnected from their offices and their buildings and their technology at home. Although most of them had had Zoom fairly quickly or you know go to meeting or what have you, but the they quickly sort of tired of being harassed on uh, on video conference. And to me, I kind of lost uh, interest in it. Not interest, but I sort of lost faith in it being a new a nouveau technique for us to make face-to-face sales calls and it the 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 shine wore off really quickly for me it wasn't so quick for i don't think for a lot of my sales guys 
But, you know, as the pandemic was coming to an end, I like to joke, you know, that I called everyone in for a sales meeting sort of to re-engage. And while they were while they were at the office, I snuck to their house and I installed nails in the bottom of their chairs facing up <laughs> so that when... <laughs> You know, so that when they got home, there was, you know, obviously, uh, you know, that's just a metaphor or whatever for, you know, get out of your chair. Right. Um, Because we realized that our stuff is sold face to face. And um, although you could do like a training session or you could do some kind of a, a, you know, a a distance learning kind of uh, uh, demonstration to customers via video conference, the actual part of selling for our business doesn't really work well uh, other than face-to-face right it's a long-winded way of saying that so um yeah so one of the one of the um the new sort of rules that i came up with for our sales guys is that when you're in front of customers selling you know presenting products presenting pricing closing business um helping them with their products whatever that's selling everything else is marketing and you don't work in marketing you work in sales leave the marketing to the marketing people. We have a marketing team. We generate leads. You know, uh, we're doing all of that, obviously, but that's not the salesman's job. The salesman's job is take the leads, book the calls, visit the customers. And, um, you know, just pragmatically for us, that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I've been pushing them to get back out there and and doing it. And some have been slower than others. I mean, some people's chairs were seem a little more comfortable than others, if I could say it that way. Right, right, right. And but, but like I said, people have been emerging sort of kind of a, at different speeds, haven't they? From yeah. from either either whether it be a comfort zone or concerns about safety or or maybe a kind of a a, a mixed a mixture of the two. Uh, yes, but, um, exactly. But also, I've I've I found that actually. Um, some 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 of uh, some of my customers have been very much um you know well what took you so long you know if i if i hadn't seen them right. for kind of 3 months yeah. you know after march 2020 uh, and we were into the summer and then you know well there were holidays and all that sort of stuff then you could have gone 6 months without seeing a customer and uh yeah there was all the all the guidelines and all the rules and all that kind of thing but 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 you know it, it actually it wasn't just um the right thing for the business. It was actually what the customer wanted. And, and, and the thing about sales for me is what you're not trying to do is force something down somebody's throat or whatever. You're actually there to serve people. And if people right. need, need to see you face to face to, to, to receive that service, then, then you've got to be there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's my whole point is that uh, that's the salesman's job. That's the part of the puzzle they 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 fit in in the business, right? There's sales support, there's after sales, there's you know warranty repair and you know calibration, there's um, production, shipping and receiving, finance, accounting. But the salesman's job is to be in front of. Oh, sorry, the shaky mic stand here as well. Um, the uh, you know, is uh, to be in front of the customers and to serve them. Mm. And and I, I often try to remind them that when you actually get in front of the customer and you're there, you know, doing it, that's when you actually find yourself in the zone and you actually enjoy your job the most. And you, you remind yourself why, you know, you like selling. A lot of people, the the real stress and uh, uncertainty, I think, find, comes when they're struggling to figure out how to get back in front of the customer or to stay in front of the customer, <laughs> It's not so much when they're there. That's kind of the the part they love about it the most. And I'm like, so if you can spend the majority of your time 
uh, in front of customers, you know, you'll actually be the happiest, right? And they often come back and say, yeah, you're right. That was a great day and, and what have you. And one of the, one of the, the tricks I learned early on, I started selling in the 80s, was try to always have my next visit in that particular building because we were servicing a group of customers, a territory, right? And um, was to make sure that I tried to leave the building with at least one more visit the next time before I left. And so, you know, it might be a follow-up to the visit I'm on today. And I could say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm actually back here next Thursday. Why don't I drop that off? And the guy's like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then, bam, I knew it. Next Thursday, I was in their building dropping that off. Then what I would do is I would call a couple more people unscheduled. And I would say, hey, I'm in the building showing Jack that proposal because he can't wait to buy my stuff. (laughs) And I would love five minutes. You know, can I drop by your desk when I'm finished with them? And a lot of times they just say, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. It's not like they, you know, they zoom, they pencil you in for 30 minutes on their calendar because, you're kind of like grazing across the building and uh, that's a little tougher these days, but still uh, if you're, if you are a, a, you know, sort of a sales fixture in that company, they will, they will take you from desk to desk or take you back to the lobby and let you re-engage. Right. Mm, Yeah. And, um, and so I find that it's not like I have to go back to the office and have these, what, what they call, prospecting days, which, which I find to be the bane of, of their existence or whatever, right? Like, oh, Fridays and Mondays, I'm in the, I talk about this in the book, right? I'm like, you know, when are you in front of customers or whatever? And they're like, oh, like usually Mondays and Fridays are my office days. And I'm like, for what? Like, what, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, you know, like following up and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, Monday, Friday, Monday follows Friday. So that's like two days in a row. Mm. And that's 40% of the week. And, uh, you know, and so I'm like, you know, an office should be a place that you, you casually drive by to pick things up, drop things off, check in, you know, we have temporary desks for our salespeople. And again, you know, again, that joke comes up a lot. And this, and in the sales department, it's the only one where the, where the chairs have nails pointing up. Right. And, um, the, uh, you know, but you should be in front of customers every day, right? 80% of your time at a, at a, in, is in front of customers and it's not easy. And, um, but once you get into that habit, it's just like going to the gym, mm. it becomes a habit. <laughs> you go, you know, three times a week, every day, whatever your plan is for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so what, what was it about selling then that, um, that, that, that got you into it? Well, what's it about selling that you love? The, what, what I love the most is that, um, the uh, if there's something like I find that if I can, if, if for lack of a better term, geek out on something, then I can get excited about it. And when I get excited about it, I can become passionate and I can share that passion with people like genuinely without any difficulty. Right. Like I probably maybe wouldn't be the best at selling, you know, other products. Maybe I don't want to pick on anyone like life insurance or something, but, but I mean, that's a common one, but uh, um, I'm really passionate about high tech things and especially wireless things. I was selling, I was selling technology, more general purpose engineers, um, tools and uh, test instruments and stuff. And in the eighties, I fell in love with wireless and I came, went to my boss and I said, I have a great idea to split your company and let me take these, these couple of vendors and focus on this newfangled technology. I know it's going to be big and you can own some of it. I'll own some of it. And the, and he's like, Oh yeah, what's that? And I'm like, you know, it's the cell phone. 
And he's like, oh, no, just come, you know, show me your plan. I'm going to show you it'll never work. Right. And so I ended up resigning and uh, I'd only been married for six days at the time. And I quit my job and I started my my first business and uh, which is similar to the business that I just sold. But I had I actually ran one for 15 years and sold it. And then I built another one for 15 years and sold that all based around uh, mobile mobile phone technology. And I just I just love it. Right. And, um, you know, and so I find it very easy to um, to sell when I'm passionate about it. Hmm. And so one of the rules in the book is called greed based learning. Right. And people are like, you know, what the hell's greed based learning? Right. And, uh, you know, and of course, greed always like inspires that, you know, deadly sins and all that stuff or whatever. Right. But I'm like, no, it's a trick. Right. And, the, and they're in there like, well, I, you know, I don't get it. What do you mean? And, and I'm like, well, imagine that you're buying a car, right? Like every four years or whatever, at least, you know, sort of typically a lot of people get a new car every four years. Right. And I don't know anything about cars, right? I mean, you know, I know where the keys go and, uh, and I have in Canada, we have, you know, CAA or AAA in the U S and, you know, the automobile association. Right. Okay. And, um, and the, I'm just not a car guy, but every four years for that two weeks, when I'm getting a car, guess who becomes a car expert, right? <laughs> I know the engines, I know the tires, I know the suspensions, I know the, you know, all of it, right? I know the capacity, the towing capacity, I know this, I know that, right? How many doors, how many this, how many that, right? Why? Because of this greedy sense that I'm getting a car. And, and what happens is, is it, there becomes this like proclivity that's natural to learn it because there's a greedy result, meaning you're getting a brand new car, Right. It's not something that you can have to, you do or retain long-term. You just remain, you, you retain small bits of it over time and it accumulates. But, but during the moment when, when the opportunity to, to win that tech, you know, like win a new car in, in, in a way of getting a car, right? Um, you know, you can absorb it and hold on to it really well. And so I, that's how I learned when we were in the first company, we, we were selling probably 40 or 50 companies with, you know, 10 or 20 products each. It was like a thousand products. How do I learn them? And right. And basically what I realized was, was that rather than try to learn them before I needed to learn them, I, all I did was try to figure out how to, how to talk about them here and there. And when the, the moment there was an interest, then I was able to say, Hey, that's a $40,000 instrument. You know, if I sell it, my commission is X and Y, Z, whatever amount of money. And that night I was able to very quickly and easily absorb enough that I could present it quite well. And over time it became like a snowball and I, it, you know, cause I was doing it over and over again. And um, yeah. And I mean, it, it actually does work. Right. And, uh, and I've, I've trained some other, you know, salespeople of the same technique um, specifically a car salesman that I can recall recently. And um you know, it becomes very easy to absorb and uh, recant this, right? When you're passionate about it and you've got the opportunity to make money. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And yeah, and having a having a uh, having a passion for what you're doing is 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 key. I mean, when I'm, uh, I've done a couple of couple of couple of talks and um, and and again talking about selling in the context of service, you know, because people do struggle with the concept of selling, oh, I don't want to put the convincer on somebody, you know, and, and people are sort of distrustful of salespeople. But, you know, I just ask people to raise their hand if they, if they believe they're selling something rubbish. 
you know, and, and right. you know, sometimes people put their hand up and it's a kind of a, a okay, let's have a bit of a laugh about that. But normally, you know, you know, no one's selling rubbish, are they? So if right. you believe in what it is you're selling, then why is it that, that people, you know, have that kind of mental block around selling in your view? Yeah. So yeah, that's really funny because I actually wanted to talk about that at length in the book too. So there's a several rules and one of them is, you know, if you have to be selling either number one or number two, otherwise don't bother, right? There's no such, I, I was selling number three and number four in the eighties and it was awful, right? Because 80% of the business, Pareto principle, 80% of the business goes to the number one brand almost without any effort whatsoever, right? That there's becomes 20% less left, you know, typically the number two brand gets 80% of that kind of thing. And it dwindles down from there. And the three and fours are sharing three to two to 4% of the business. Right. And, um, and oftentimes they still even buy brand number one. And, um, and so I said, always try to represent the number one or number two brand. If you're not get a new job, sorry, just change companies, go for the number one or number two. And uh, the second rule is I'd, I'd rather be last than second. So if I'm selling brand one or brand two, the moment, the second, the nanosecond I realize I'm losing, I withdraw. I stop the fight, right? Because if I'm, let's say I know I'm not going to win, right? Then a lot of people double down, right? Oh, let's bring in the factory. Let's fly in demos. Let's, hey, let's fly them to the plant. Blah, blah, blah. Let's roll out the, no, but you know, they're going to buy the number one brand, but you're just out of fear of loss. You just go, you double down, right? You double down on your cost as well. And you double down on your time. And so what I say is I'd rather be last, meaning I'd rather just immediately, you know, recuse myself from the fight and let the other guy win and move to the next deal where he's not paying attention and allow myself to move to pole position where I can win. Right. And, but again, not with the number three and four brand, it's very hard to make a living and it's not just not worth the effort. There's not enough leverage uh, selling crappy technology in my opinion. Right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's about having a, um, a really clear understanding of what the customer need is yes. and yes, uh, and if, if, you, if you've got a even if you're not kind of you know market leader as in the biggest brand if you've got if you've got a point of differentiation that addresses right. a niche this is about having that level of understanding and and really i mean uh, sales people who who have a good understanding of a the product but also b the niche and and how that translates into the customer need they're going to have yeah. a much easier time positioning that and also deciding as you say when to chase and when to step back yeah, and focus on exactly. something that's gonna be more productive yeah yeah that's right so you talk yeah. about um emotional motivation uh, right. so how, how do you how do you work out what's driving a potential buyer so you can turn them into a customer yeah the um well you know so um there's I guess several ways I can attack that question, right? And I mean, um, you know, one one is like first of all, learning how to present your products in the in their best light, right? And I have a a, a technique. It's on my website. You can download it. It's called the Punch Perfect Pitch and Close, and it it's it's part of my thesis for the me saying that you know you don't ever have to close people when you when you've done your job, the the customer closes themselves, right? You know, like, again, you're buying a car, right? When you decide that you want the specific car, the Range Rover, the Mercedes or whatever, 
the guy's not closing you. You're like, how do I buy this car? How do I get this car? I want this car. But leading up to that has been, you know, um, a series of things that you didn't see happening subtly in the background, right? The first one is the punch, what I call the punch, right? And the punch is like, you have to grab their attention, right? And you can grab someone's attention at a customer or, you know, at a demo on site, wherever it is, through a series of different means. One is, you know, one is like you can something as simple as make a loud noise at the beginning, right? To grab their attention. Two, you know, you can play a song. Three, you can play a video. You know, um, you know. Four, you can recant a, a testimonial from somebody. But something that changes their state to realize, wait a minute, I need to pay attention uh, to this, right? Then the then the perfect pitch is basically, um, you know, I use the uh, Goldilocks principle, the power of three, right? You know, um, you know, good, better, best, you know, uh, small, medium, large, you know, everything like flows in threes, right? It starts to get to be a mouthful and small, medium, large, extra, large, two, XL, three. And like, I mean, people are, you're losing people, right? Yeah. Keep everything. That's the power of three, right? Again, I talk about that at length in the book. I'm sorry about the dogs in the background. And, um, the um and you know if you you know and it's a series of you know tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them what you told them and at that point if you've done your right job and you've created the right state they're in the state of saying how do i go to the next step not you having to like beg to get there if you if you have to kind of like pry that out of them you probably didn't do a good job on the presentation right and um so that's in terms of when they're when you're actually selling to them. The you know the other way to address maybe what you're asking is about the rapport, right? And about rapport, this is one of the biggest things I harp on about people is like try to be a pleasure to do business with always. That's your number one goal in life is just don't be you know an asshole if I can say that right. Yeah. You know don't be that guy right and and be a pleasure. And, um, you know, uh, don't make assumptions, right? The, there's a lot on rapport in the book, but the, the, you know, there's the, uh, the funny story where I call it implied familiarity also breeds contempt, right? Because I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, if you heard of the saying familiarity breeds contempt, right? And I mean, it's spend too much time with someone, you know, you go away with a friend, your best friends, right? And then you go away for two weeks somewhere, you come back, you can barely talk to them at the end because you've been in such close quarters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a common principle, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, in the book, I talk about implied familiarity and I tell the story where you, you go into the uh, into the office and you see there, there's a guy holding up a fish and he's with another guy and he's holding up this fish that he's, you know, caught and whatever. And you're like, Oh my God, you know, bass fishing. Oh my, that's amazing. I'm fish all the time. And, and, uh, you know, Hey, we should go fishing sometime or something like that. And the guy's like, he turns around, he looks and he goes, Oh my God. He goes, that's my ex-father-in-law. I couldn't stand that guy. I only went fishing with him because it was, it was my, my wife's father. We're not even married anymore. (laughs) Takes the photo, throws it in the garbage and says, I hate fishing. Right. You, you imply you went too far too fast, right? You can use it as a cue to say, oh, I see that you're fishing. I see that you like fishing or whatever, and just stop there and build rapport one step at a time. But don't imply that you know the guy hmm. or girl, you know, or gal, whatever, you know, just by looking at a photo on their wall, right? You have to build rapport in, in steps and turn up the like a volume knob 
you know, and, uh, you know, not like a light switch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's really, really crucial. And uh, asking questions is is so vital, uh, you know, so, so that you avoid making the assumption and, and perhaps a, yeah. a trap that, that salespeople fall into is that in their enthusiasm to, to you know, to, to wax lyrical about all the great things that their product can do or, or, or to build that rapport, uh, people, People can sort of sometimes stop asking questions and. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. They just start uh, verbal diarrhea about their product and what have you, right? Right. And, um, yeah. Well, uh, one one good story for your audience as well that I like to share. Whenever the salesman's stuck, like, what do I say next, right? Or where do I get going, or whatever, is a little rule called watch your weekend problem and. It's, it's called that so you can remember it, right? Watch your weekend problem, right? And like, oh, what's that? You know, the first thing is, is check out the person's watch, right? And try to establish rapport based on the person's watch. Oh my God, that's such a nice watch. You know, oh, I have an iPhone, iWatch 2, or I have an Apple watch, or I use a Fitbit watch too, or I was thinking of getting one of those. That's cool. Or, oh my God, that's a Rolex. That's so nice. And you know, what's the story behind that? Where did you get that? Oh, my wife gave it to me, blah, 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 whatever. My grandfather doesn't matter. Right. One year savage for, for some reason, people love talking about their watch and, um, and two, or, or they don't mind talking about it as well as another thing. Right. It's like, it's innocuous and, and what have you. And then there's another one. It's like, again, these are rapport building techniques, right? So it's like, Instead of, you know, uh, random things, say, you know, what do you do on the weekend, right? What do you do when you're not at work, right? Oh, I play pickleball, you know, I go fishing, you know, I golf, I this, I that, whatever, you know, I watch Netflix, whatever, you know, but you talk about through and then you try to establish rapport and common points uh, there. And then when you've gotten through those two rapport building questions, then you ask, you know what, like today at work, what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve? And that's when you start getting into the meat and potatoes. Watch your weekend problem, right? And um, and that's how you uh, you're uh, you can you through questions you can one establish rapport and two move it in a direction you know where you can become start become relevant and uh, start talking about your products and and what have you, right? Yeah. And um, the and then another thing about what you said was the is is trying to learn how to mute yourself and use your ears twice as much as your mouth, right? And um, the old rule about God gave you two ears and one mouth and, um, you know, is where the, you know, the, the guy says, you know, uh, you know, I want to make this measurement. Oh, well, we have a tool that makes a measurement, right. And, you know, it, it needs to be fast. Ours is super fast, fastest on the market. And, you know, you have to, you have to just build a series of questions at, before you start presenting, right. No, don't interrupt people. Don't cut them off. Yeah. You know, Oh, we can do that. We can do that. You know, Oh, let me get that product in there. I forgot to bring that today. Right. And uh, that kind of a thing, right. Those are, those are not attractive and, um, and they're not part of being a pleasure to do business with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the final thing, sorry, I don't know if I'm t- taking up too much time, but no, you're, good. you're doing when great. Someone, <laughs> when someone, um, you know, a lot of sales guys, when there's a problem with the product, they're hard to find, right? For some reason, they become distinctly difficult to get a hold of on the phone once they've gotten your money, right? And I train people that you're, you know, thank God it's broken. That's the title of the chapter, right? Because 
the customers don't remember you for selling them the product, right? They remember you for servicing them on the product. That's what they remember. What did you do after I gave you my money? And, you know, many people could say, I bought three, four cars from the same guy. Why? Because when there was a problem, they could call the guy. And even though it wasn't his department, he smoothed it over. He put you in touch with the service manager. He made it, you know, he made the problems go away. But really what he did do was pick up the phone, right? And so when the customer calls and it's a problem, don't, don't transfer it without, without uh, talking to the person, you know, take the calls, call them back. If you miss the call, what have you, and be that front line. So when they know there's a problem, I can call my rep and he's going to help me. She's going to help me, whatever. Right. right. And um, yeah. And what happens is, is it's like, I don't care if they're 3% more when it's broken. I know I can call Glenn and he'll pick up the phone. Let's give the order to gap wireless. Right. That's, that's the way I, uh, you know, I handle that kind of a thing. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And and so as you've as you've gone through your career, then you've you've been the been the salesperson on the front line, uh, and then you've kind of you know gone through the ranks and well, you mean you've you founded the business. So I imagine you've been up up the top anyway, yeah. but but doing yeah. more. I imagine doing less direct selling over time. Yeah. How how have yes. you found making that transition from from being the the, the 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 person out front doing the selling to being the person who kind of manages and leads the sales team. Well, it, there's 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 good and bad parts about it. Um, the um, you know, like a sales job is not the easiest job in the world. It's sort of uh, you can make you know, it's the easiest job to make a, a you know a ridiculously high amount of money, but it's also super simple to make no money if you're if if you're lazy. Right. And so, you know, it does take a lot of, uh, you know, you have to be a self-starter and what have you. Right. Um, you know, now the problems sort of come to me naturally as the general manager, because it's sort of emphasis on general, generally anything that's wrong comes to me. Right. And, um, and I do like the job and I am, but I am highly involved in the sales team and I'm just not the one that's making the face-to-face calls, but when I am, that's the days that I actually have the best day is when I'm in front of the customer. Right. Right. And um, I really do enjoy being face to face with customers the most. Several people I know compatriots or whatever have gone from management back to selling. So they had themselves to only themselves to, 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 you know, they didn't want to manage people anymore. They just wanted to be in front of customers and they liked the freedom that that provided them. And I respect that a lot. And um you know, some people have the natural proclivity to be a manager and that's fine too. Right. So mm. I think either way, having that, having that personal contact with customers on a frequent enough basis to stay in touch with, um, a, what you're, what you're selling. Cause if what you're selling is designed to fulfill a purpose, make a difference, you've got to stay in touch with how that, how that, yeah. how that's working, uh, but also to get, get feedback from your customers on how you, how your business is doing. It's absolutely yeah. vital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, but from your point of view, making that transition, then have you got any kind of um, advice you would give to people? So, say you, 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 that so there's people listening to this podcast who have founded a business. They're, yeah. they're they're looking at scaling up. They're looking at they're looking at growing their business, which means they're going to need to bring people in to do the selling for them, so they can focus on strategy and all that kind of thing. Have you got any right. advice for people going on that similar journey to the one yeah. that you've been on? Oh yeah, lots of it. But I'm never <laughs> short of that, right? But, <laughs> but yeah, in all seriousness, I'm trying to figure out the best way of uh, saying this. But uh, 
So now I, I uh, in uh, 2022, right, I turned 60, right? So I'm 60 years old now. And I mean, it's funny, like you, you, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you really ever stop thinking of yourself as like that 17 year old guy that likes the music of, you know, whatever the music was when you were 17, that's sort of, it gets imprinted on you. Right. Um, but I, but nonetheless, the outward, outwardly I, I am and look 60. Right. So um, the um, uh, I've learned a lot and it took me a long time to learn this thing I'm going to try to share, which was that the, like hiring the wrong people is 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 really um, the biggest mistake you're going to make in your business. And there's two stories in my book about making mistakes about hiring people. I won't tell them now in the spirit of time, and they're funny, and you can read them in the book. And you're like, how could you be such an idiot, <laughs> right? Well, because I didn't follow per first principles, right? And so, basically, I tell the story now that. When you're ready to tell me that you're going to hire that person, that salesperson, whatever it is, I'm like, you know, I'm like, imagine, you know, you're standing on a bridge and the bridge is going to fail and you've got, you know, the bridge sort of started to collapse and you're holding, you know, you got your wife in one hand, you're holding her, you got your mother-in-law on the other hand, right? That person you want to hire, you got to be willing to drop one of those two people to grab onto that person and save them instead, right? Like, and the it's the best metaphor I've come up with lately. I know it's awful, <laughs> but I'm trying to like basically, you know, break their state and say, look, you're going to be willing to hang on to this person, you know, uh, throughout everything. You have to be that sure. Or I'll say to them, all right, tell me five things that you love about them right now. And if they can't even like start even say one, then boom, no, not approved. Right. Because they haven't put in enough time. Right. And, you know, if they can say, oh, well, you know, I mean, he has five years as our competitor. He hit quota every year. He's in the president's circle three years in a row. Da, 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 da. He went over, you know, all sorts of things, whatever. Like, so whatever method you can, um, you know, sort of inculcate into your business in terms of hiring techniques, that's the number one thing you have to do. And spend, you know, 10 times longer hiring them and fire them, you know, take very long to hire and be super fast to fire, right? And so when people say, well, when do you know when to fire someone? I said, that's super simple, scientifically proven. The time to fire someone is one nanosecond after the first time you ever thought about firing them. <laughs> so if you think about firing them tomorrow, tomorrow plus one nanosecond, they're fired and without fail because you will fire them. And it will, you'll just wait and it'll cost you more money and it'll cost you more time. And you're probably doing your, both of you a favor by letting them go. And the, the business of, of was you're going up in your business and you're becoming salesman, sales manager, you're running a business that's getting bigger. It's all about the people. And if you can surround yourself with the best people in every department, the best finance person supporting you, the best admin person supporting the admin team, right? The best sales director, et cetera, et cetera. Your life almost can be have moments of perfection where you actually don't need to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone else is better than you at everything else. And all you need to do is be able to make decisions. And that's the true definition of the leader is to be able to make decisions in a timely manner and guide and be a leader. Those yeah. are your two jobs. Be yeah. a leader, make decisions. Yeah. 
That's uh, that's really powerful advice. And back again to your eighty twenty uh, a, a rule. You know, eighty percent of anything that you achieve in your yeah. life is is through other people, right? So mm-hmm. making sure that they're the right people. Exactly. And you know, the way I go about that is um, is I look at I look at that a that that capability, but also the values. Having that alignment yeah. of values, uh, knowing that. You can be completely different people, but you've got that same kind of spirit and ethos is is essential because yeah. in the good times and in the bad times, you're going to need that to pull you through. Yeah. Yeah. Let me close that blind. It's blinding you probably. I just noticed that uh, this, the sun's coming up in, uh, in Ontario. Okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so you're in, you're in Ontario. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, so yeah. t- tell us about your life there then. How, how, what did you get up to on the weekend? You just mentioned yeah, that. So my, yeah, my passion, as I, I mentioned, pickleball, I learned it a few years ago. It's a, it's played on a, a compressed tennis court, right? And um, <clears throat> it uses a wiffle ball and it's a, one of the fastest growing sport in the world. They're trying to make it an Olympic sport. It's incredibly fun and fast and uh, a good workout, but anyone can play it and learn it really quickly. It's really fun. And, um, so I love to play pickleballs in the morning and stuff like that. Um, I love, I do also play around with the, like recording equipment and things like that. I love to play with electronics and record music and things like that. I'm not really a musician, but I actually record other people and, uh, and help them to record themselves or record public speaking and things like that for people mastering audio and stuff. I love playing with audio and, um, yeah, I'm just kind of a geek in that way. And um, we we live near a thing called 16 Mile Creek where it's beautiful. Right outside my door, we can go for a walk with the dogs. And um, so I love trying to get my 10,000 steps in doing that. And uh, um, and on the weekends, we sometimes go up north. We have a ski chalet in the ski country and we'll go up skiing in the winter and hiking in the summer kind of thing. Yeah. So excellent. Excellent. Some of the things I love to do. Oh, that sounds brilliant. So, so the, so the great outdoors is a feature, so, but you're going to have to explain what pickleball is to me. I, I, Cause I don't know what it is. Yeah. So it, there's a, it's imagine it's a, it's like ping pong on a tennis court, but okay. compress the tennis court down and you have a large ping pong type paddle with a wiffle ball. It's a plastic ball with holes in it. Right. And it's very fast moving two people on each side. And there's areas you can't st- you can't play in. There's the protection zones and stuff that govern the, the, the game of play. And it, um, and really, it's, you know, not unlike uh, tennis or a game like that. The ball's going back and forth over the net. You're trying to win points and stuff. But it, the ball moves very, very quickly. And the compre- the court is much more compressed in terms of the size. But it is played on a tennis court. They just sort of realign the lines and uh, and uh, adjust the net height slightly. Okay. Um, but if you, if you'll, you'll, you'll probably see it now that I've mentioned it. It's one of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is growing very, very fast. And uh, it's now as professional, there's a professional league, they're, they're trying to get it into the Olympics. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, um, and I mean, some people think, oh, it's an old person's game or whatever, but it's it, the, the pros now are not old. They're very young people in their 20s and, uh, and they're very passionate about it as well. So it's, it's good for all ages and it's tons of fun. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, have to, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and you're, you're, you mentioned um, uh, music. What's your favorite album? 
So probably super tramp crime of the century. I mean, like I said, everything, you know, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall, those are all the, you know, so I always ask people that question. And then I tell, guess how old they are. And they, how do you know that? And I said, well, I <laughs> what year the album came out and I subtract 17 and that I figure out your year of birth. And then I subtract it from today and I can figure out how old you are. Cool. And they're like, what? And because most people are imprinted at 17 with their favorite music. Right. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Tramp Genesis. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, the Steve Hackett Genesis show is on here in, in my town. And uh, yeah, so I have tickets to that. And uh, we do this classic albums live. It's called um, The Whole Album Every Note or something like that. That's their saying. And they're, they're, of course, performers and they re- reproduce the album note for note. They, do, they don't talk. There's no, there's clapping in between songs. But I mean, they do not change anything and there's no, ch- and there's no break. They just start at the beginning of the album and they stop at the end of the album and then they chit chat and then they play other favorite songs from that artist. But you can, you can see Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and Super Tramp and Simon and Garfunkel and Rita Franklin and all these famous artists. And they, uh, and so um, I love the ones with the 1970s, you know, um, rock bands and stuff like that so awesome awesome yeah, yeah. i love 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 all that love all that but yeah. i'm a big fan of music so uh yeah so yeah i mean what, one of my favorite albums is uh, okay computer by radiohead so uh, oh yeah for so sure. yeah you'll have to yeah. you have to yeah. you have to guess when i was born from that so uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah, I, I don't want to go on google and look at <laughs> no 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 but it's not too far away from 17 also sometimes yeah. when i'm doing yeah. uh when I'm doing presentations for people in in the office, they're leaving presentations or, you know, 20 years service oh, yeah. or whatever. I'll do the yeah. kind of what was number one on the day you were born oh, and, yeah. and what was number one on your 18th birthday. Cause that's supposed to yeah. be your life anthem. So, that's uh, right. so yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, I do love kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love yeah. those sort of connections. And, and again, it's yeah, humanity, sure. right? We all love music. Yeah. yeah. We all love music in one way or another. So, yeah. yeah. And it really, it, and it evokes an emotional response in people, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I try to use music and video in my punch perfect, my, you know, at the punch portion of my presentation. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And so uh, what makes you lose track of time? Yeah. So yeah, that's a great question. And um, so the, probably the, the, the only thing that really makes me lose track of time for the most part is when I'm working on like the audio equipment and things like that. That's where I'm most Zen or whatever. There's other things where I can, I can like, I mean, the, the pickleball games go quickly, but sometimes I get tired and <laughs> I think of time and whatever, yeah. but usually when I'm, when I'm playing in my music studio and stuff, um, then time kind of disappears for a while for me Mm. and um that would probably be the 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 one true passion i guess Mm. Mm. and and i just love it right and uh it's it's just natural right like i don't i know like my kids play video games and of course they're they're, they lose track of time would be an understatement right (laughs) but uh But I never really, I never really got into that. The when I was younger, um, it was kind of you know nerdy. But I would would like to write some code and things like that in my earlier in my late teens and twenties, and and I would completely lose track of time and all all when I was writing code. But I, I stopped doing it. So um, I would imagine if I learned some new languages and I was found something cool to write something about, like uh, a utility or something, I, I would probably lose time with that as well. Yeah. And, um, 
but mostly technology playing with technology would be the you know the high level answer to the question awesome and, and, and do you have a podcast no no i don't i i you know what i love to joke and i ask people ask me and i say well no i much prefer the sound of my own voice <laughs> i like to do all the talking you could you can still do that and listen to your own listen to true. your own episodes that's true yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would do that, yeah. of course. No, but yeah. uh, but no, but part of the part of the reason why I ask is because because uh, because I, I I used to I used to DJ, and, right. uh, and I still do actually. Oh, do you? Oh, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Well, I've got all the kit, and I've made the transition to digital yeah. and all that. So, yeah. um, so yeah. okay. So, what kind of music do you DJ? Yeah, so mainly I, I do, mostly nowadays I do it for uh, charities and things like that. And I try to charge as little as much just um, to cover transportation, insurance on the gear and things like that. So mm. it's mainly what the customer asks for. And a lot of times it's just, you know, top 40 dance music and stuff like that. But my passion is mixing uh, house music. And uh, yeah, but I don't often get the audience. They're like, what are you playing? Right. And I have to go back to the regulars and uh, what you're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a Denon uh, MC6000 uh, mixing uh, system for the MP3s and um, yeah, and EV speakers, the whole nine yards. I have a really good setup. And um, yeah, I, uh, so a lot of it, when, when they realize you do it for free, word travels very quickly. So I get lots of requests and I don't do that many anymore, but I do enough to make it fun. And I, and I do love DJing. And I, I started DJing at 17 in roller rinks in Canada, roller skating. And uh, I've loved it ever since. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah well, me, yeah. me, me, me too. I've, I've got the, yeah. uh, got the, got the, the DDJ kit now. Cause I was oh. always on vinyl, oh, but yeah. I've, I've, I've made the, the pioneer. Fi yeah, yeah. Fi I fi finally made the transition now to, uh, to yeah. digital, digital DJ and, uh, yeah. yeah I DJ those. Go on. No, I just love those machines, right? Like, uh, the, like DJ and whatever. Right? Yeah. 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 All, all the, all the effects that you can play. And it's a completely different skill to beat mixing vinyl yeah. to actually almost doing live edits, uh, digitally. And, yeah. uh, yeah, some of my DJ friends are laughing at me cause I'm so much behind the <laughs> curve now, but I'm catching up. I'm catching up yeah. ready, ready to make a comeback. So yeah, that's um, right. That's awesome. That's brilliant. So, uh, yeah. there you go. So we'll have to, we'll have to do a, uh, We'll have to do an international yeah. gig then at some point. We'll have to get, 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 yeah. get the sound yeah, system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. That's so what, what makes you cry with laughter? Oh, um, you know what? Like, actually, I mean, I, pro I probably laugh and cry very easily, right? Like anything funny uh, that's super happy really brings me uh, tears of joy very quickly. And I, I guess I'm a cheap laugh. I mean, I can't, I can't even think of anything that's like the one thing that makes me laugh. Cause I'm pretty easy. I'm a pretty cheap laugh when it comes to comedians and, and things like that. And, and I mean, I, I love to make my own self laugh. Like people are always like, Oh yeah, you really think you're funny right? <laughs> kind of thing because I'm always trying to like, trying to blend humor with the lesson and try so I try to like twist it into a, like a humorous anecdote, uh, or not an anecdote, but a metaphor or something like that, where to make people laugh at the same time get the point across, right? And um, the and so you know, um, yeah. So I love I love comedy and comedians and things like that, but but I also love making jokes and um, you know and trying to apply that to business and the and the lesson at hand, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. These are really good questions too, by the way, I have to compliment you. On, uh, <laughs> Thank on you. Thank They're you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I find it, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating. Um, 
to sort of think about um you know what makes people laugh and all that and also some some people are kind of um are kind of almost sometimes a little bit embarrassed by what makes them laugh and also what makes them cry yeah. but it's all it's all yeah. good you know if if, if yeah. uh if you laugh at dodgy dodgy films that you think are a bit cheesy then that's okay just yeah. just you just gotta let it go it's uh it's all good stuff yeah. Yeah, my, my my wife will see that you know a kid's getting a puppy or something in a film. She'll read over and she goes, "You're going to be okay." Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, she knows absolutely. what's coming next. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's all yeah. good, all good. Yeah. Cool. So you talk about lessons then. So what's the most important lesson that you've learned? So the most well, the most important lesson is uh, that's easy. That's you only get forever to make another impression. And so people are like, "Wait a minute, my mom told me I have to make a good first impression," and I'm like, "Yep." and a second and a third and a fourth. And so I'm always telling people that regardless of what you're doing, you're always making an impression and always try to make it a good one. And um, that you're always on, you're always, you know, you're always being judged and everything matters. Um, you know, don't take uh, allowances for, for, because they, you know, people or what have you always show up and put your best foot forward every time. And all, and even when you're, you know, the, the way I tell the story in the, in the book is that, you know, when you hear your boss walking by, turn your volume up times 10 and go into hyper work mode so that every time your boss sees you, you're power working, you know, say, Hey boss, can I ask you a question? I was working on this deal, blah, 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 blah. And, and it establishes a huge amount of respect and uh, a rapport with your boss. Hmm. And you become the natural person to take on more responsibility and be given more trust. Um, if he sees you on Facebook or Instagram and you're alt tabbing when he walks by, it's a very bad look, right? Yeah. That's the, the, the way I explain the two, the two ways you could present yourself. Right. So always be making a good impression is, is one of my golden rules. Right. Really yeah. good advice. Really good advice. Yeah. And yeah, if, if there is a lull for whatever reason, then don't be afraid of asking for more, you know, yeah. always ask exactly. for more. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Well, look, time is flying by, but I've just got a couple yeah. of questions to ask you before yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, so, so who inspires you the most and why? Um, yeah, probably my brother and, um, yeah, the, um, yeah, the, I've always looked up to him. He's my older brother and, um, it, the, um, I've learned a lot from him and, uh, I think I probably inspire him a lot as well. Um, you know, I've written a book. He's now written a book. Um, we've both started and sold businesses. Um, you know, and I, I rely on him a lot for advice and bouncing ideas off of and things like that. Um, you know, there's many people in the industries and things like that from time to time that I, that I, uh, learn to appreciate or whatever. But, um, you know, right now at, in, the, you know, with the, the current state of the economy and whatever, I'm not sure who I can really trust, to be honest. Um, you know, there's names that come popping into your mind because they're all over Facebook and Twitter and, instant, you know, social media and stuff, but I'm not sure they completely warrant my time and attention at times, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, you know, a lot of people trusted Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX, right? And mm. uh, look where that got them. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, yeah. So, uh, I get a lot of inspiration from my family and, and, uh, my father was in business for many years as well. So that's, that's, uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you, uh, 
if you're looking outside for inspiration, I think that, that that's a that's a good thing to do. Uh, but also, it's about how you kind of internalize and, and and digest those kind of inspirational moments that you see from other right. people, and and, and select yeah. select what works for you. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, and leave the rest, right? <laughs> right, definitely, oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Because uh, yeah, there's good and bad advice, and um, and you've got to make your own make your own decisions yeah. in this world for yeah. sure. Cool. Okay, yeah, and um, so your your life successful, and uh, congratulations, and congratulations on a great book, which which we'll come Thank back you. to in a sec. But um, but what's uh, what what's the the purpose of your life? And and what advice would you give to others you want to find and follow theirs? Yeah, so the um, a lot of people are like, oh, congratulations! You know, you sold your business, and uh, you know, you the goal, you know, the big dream or whatever. Everyone's you know, build a business, sell it for millions of dollars or whatever, and you know, go off into the sunset. And um, the but I realized actually very quickly after selling the business that you know, and I did do okay financially for sure. Um, but literally like the money hasn't changed my life at all. And it hasn't made me any happier or less happy, really. Uh, it does come with more problems, right? Um, and I'm not trying to be, you know, like, uh, you know, just to buy coy or whatever. I'm not even sure how to describe it. I'm, not, this, I'm being quite serious, right? Like I had bought a um, a Lotus Elise, right? From uh, the last production uh, combustion engine from Lotus. And I canceled it. And um, because I realized it wasn't going to make me happy. And uh, I was going to have to take care of it. I was going to have to store it in the winter. It, it, it was going to have to have a, a high insurance. I was going to have to cover it. And, you know, I was going to have to give up my garage spot in my garage to put it in there and not park my day, daily car. Um, and I thought there's nothing about this car except for a few minutes here and there when I would drive it in the sunshine that that's really going to, it's not going to change my life. I'm not going to want it. And after I buy it, I'm it's not going to make me happy. And so I canceled it. Right. And, um, and I didn't buy any, you know, any extravagant, uh, things with it. Um, I will admit we did trade up into it. We moved from one ski chalet to a bigger one, but nonetheless, we were going to do that anyways. And, um, uh, the, the, I feel that my life's purpose really is more in the area of sharing and public speaking. And I haven't had a chance to do much of it, but that's where, what I do really love. And uh, I just clamor for more opportunities to do podcasts and public speaking because I do love it. And it's, it's come somewhat naturally to me. And um, you know, and within my experience, I have those, those lessons to share, you know, um, I don't sort of, uh, offer that I'm an expert at any specific thing, right? Like I'm not, a, you know, I'm not your social media marketing expert or whatever. I'm a, you know, a jack of all trades covering all areas of the business. When I started the business, I was the salesman in Ontario. I packed the boxes for the business. I ran the finance I was the, you know, did the accounting. I did everything. We had, I had two other people, one in Quebec and one in uh, out West and in Alberta. And uh, they were salespeople. I ran the entire business. And um, the, so I'm a generalist for sure. Right. And, um, but what I really, you know, my main purpose, I think is probably just to share the message that I learned once I retire in a few years. And um, pro probably that's would be my best answer. Fantastic. But it's, um, yeah, well, you know, passion, 
passion feeds into purpose, doesn't it? And uh, yeah. and, yes. and and for for you want to want to share uh, what you've learned with others so they can benefit. And as and as yeah. you, you said before, you know about make, helping other people to perhaps avoid some of the costly mistakes that that you might have made. Then. Um, then that sounds that sounds good yeah. to me. And the thing that I love about your book as well is that is that as you say, there's fifty seven uh, fifty seven mm -hmm. elements. Yeah, and 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 you're right. People can dip in and dip out, and 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 there's no kind of slavish model to follow. It's no. you know it's offered there as a gift. You know if this helps, then 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 take it on and yeah. and, and use what's exactly. valuable to you. So which I, which I absolutely yeah. love. So so yeah. Glenn, thank you so much for coming on People with Purpose. Yeah. It's been thank great you. to talk to you. How can people find out more about you and and, and follow your work? So the easiest way is just to go to glennpoulos.com. So G-L-E-N-N-P-O-U-L-O-S.com. And all the socials are there. Um, you know, that uh, those downloads are there, both the presentations and stuff. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, a different, little different flavor on each one. And if you reach out to me, I'll definitely respond, um, you know, and um, I'm always big on getting back to people if they contact me. So if anyone wants to discuss anything, feel free to reach out. LinkedIn's probably the easiest, uh, but my my contact information's on my website as well for if you want to send me an email. So fantastic, thanks, Glenn. And yeah. uh, the book is Never Sit in the Lobby, uh, and it really is a great read if you're uh, uh, looking to get into sales or improve your sales uh, techniques or, or or whatever. There are loads of tips in there, or even actually, it's not even about selling products. It's about if you've got a message that you want to get across, building that rapport. I'm finding a way to engage with people. There's loads of great tips in there. So, Glenn, thanks for sharing that. It's really great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.